Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today we have the privilege to enter into a conversation with Elizabeth Garn to talk about her recent book, Freedom to Flourish, which looks at God's good purpose for women. Elizabeth is a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary and is a wife, mother, writer, and speaker. She and her family live in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., where she stays home with her three kids. To find out more about Elizabeth, you can check out elizabethgarn.com and find her on Twitter at Garn Elizabeth. I pray this conversation encourages you to see that your worth and value is not in what you do, but in whose image you have been made. All right, Elizabeth, well, thank you so much for being on the Practice of Theology podcast. It really is a joy to get to have this conversation with you today. Thank you. I I am so happy to be here. Yeah. Well, before we uh, jump into our topic at hand, and it's going to be centered around your book, Freedom to Flourish, I would like to give you the opportunity to tell us how you came to know the Lord and, after that, what you do now. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think my story is probably a little familiar to many of your listeners, but I grew up in the church. So I, I say literally and figuratively because some of my earliest memories were, you know, running around the church, helping my mom set up for vacation Bible school and mm. passing out bulletins and stuff like that. Um, but I came to know the Lord through Sunday school when I was really little. Um, and I've just always, I mean, I don't want to sound sound silly, but I've just always, it's been a huge part of my life. Like I just love the Lord and and always have. And, and that has been a big part of who I am and the way he has fashioned my life from there. Mm. But now I am a wife and a mom. I stay home with my three goofy kids and I am a writer and a speaker. So that is that is how I spend my time, which is to say I'm very tired all the time. <laughs> That's right. It seems that um, <laughs> everything that the Lord has placed in your life is extremely time consuming. So <laughs> Well, thankfully, my people are extremely awesome, and they are encouraging and supportive in many ways. So, Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. As I mentioned, you wrote a book, and it released earlier this year, called Freedom to Flourish. What spurred you to write a book like that? That is such a great question. Well, as I said, I did grow up in the church. Um, I was very involved in Sunday school and then youth ministry and then college ministry and women's ministry. Um, that has just always been my life. And I was definitely the nerdy kid um, and nerdy young woman who just very much wanted to know who God created me to be. That's um, awesome. I wanted to know, and I probably took notes. In fact, I know I took notes. Um, but my problem is, and where I struggled, is that I started to get a lot about what I was supposed to do mm-hmm. and not a lot about who God created me to be. Mm-hmm. And for me, I am... A people pleaser by nature. And what that turned into was a very long, confusing, contradicting list of what it looked like to be a woman of God and the mm. things that I had to do to qualify, to um, please God, what it looked like to be to be a Christian. So it was a lot of doing more and trying harder. And it wasn't until I got to seminary in my Jen Josh class that our professor started teaching through you know, Genesis, Genesis one, um, and got to the passages about being made in God's image. And all of a sudden it was like 
it was like everything started to click. And whereas I had felt so much pressure to be all these things, all of a sudden it was like, no, this is who I was created to be. Mm-hmm. That's image. It's not about me at all. It's not about what I do. It's about him and his image being reflected through me. And that just changed so much for me um, that I started talking to women about it and saying, hey, did you know this? I didn't know this. And found out that there were a lot of women just like me who were struggling in a lot of the same ways. So um, just feel incredibly privileged to have been able to put those words onto paper and share it as a book. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I, uh, during seminary, had a similar experience. Um, it, it, I actually worked for something called the Commonwealth Project, and it was an initiative on faith work and human flourishing. And so the intersection mm-hmm. of those things. And so Genesis 1 was extremely informative for the work that we did. And nice. y- you, you actually separate your book into two major parts, uh, created and restored. So can you explain each of these to us as, as you've laid it out in your book and, and how they relate to one another? Yeah. So um, my book really does start at Genesis 1-1 and walk straight through to the end of Genesis 3, mm. focusing on what it means to be made in the image of God and what it looks like to live that out. And so the first half of the book is this section called Created, and that is where we really dive into those early chapters and what it what God created in creation, what God did, and what it means to be made in God's image and how he invites us to live that out. Right. But of course... Um, the fall happened. You know, Genesis 3 follows Genesis 2. Yeah. And the fall Always. impacted. I know. So you can't <laughs> escape it. Yep. Um, it impacted everything, including the image we were created to bear. So the second half of the book is um, what that did, um, what we live with on the world now because of it, and then God's ultimate promise to restore all things to himself, including that image we bear, that sanctification is continually um, working to restore that in us as he draws us closer to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so on the back of the book, you you write this, and it kind of serves as a paragraph of the main idea of the book, but also a kind of, hey, why would you want to read this book? And you say this, so many Christian women are exhausted because we've come to believe that God's purpose for us is rooted in what we do, which means we're constantly striving to somehow do enough. Okay, you couldn't have written a clearer sentence, so, <laughs> well, thanks to my editors for that one. <laughs> it's 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 very clear what you're trying to say here. But will you flesh that out for us a little more? And and feel free to use personal examples if if you would like to. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean that's such a great question. So yeah, I told you a little bit about growing up in the church and looking for my purpose and all that. Um, and that's not an uncommon story. Right. And ultimately, because I didn't understand what it means to be made in God's image, and and I think this is true for many of us, when we don't understand that that is our purpose, that that is our highest calling above anything else, um, it becomes very easy to create our own list instead. Um, We as humans need purpose. Purpose is extremely important. And when we don't have one, we will make one. And for a lot of women in the church today, um, what that looks like, at least what it looked like for me, is starting to scour my Bible and looking for godly women and studying their stories. But instead of seeing these stories as examples of um, different ways in which God moves through time and history, different women that he used in the story of redemption, I started taking these descriptive stories and making them very prescriptive for my life instead. Mm. And so what that looked like for me was a very long list, like I said, of things that I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be faithful like Ruth and um, gracious and kind. I was supposed to do all the things like I 
you know, read Proverbs 31 and made a list of all the things that she did <laughs> right, and right. all the ways that I was supposed to do those things and what that what that looked like in my life was getting married and working really hard and then sitting on the bed and just crying because I yeah. couldn't do it all. I just couldn't. And my husband very graciously and probably a little freaked out saying, <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> and me just being completely convinced that I was a bad Christian woman because I just mm. couldn't keep up. And thankfully, God, um, that is not his plan for us. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, that takes us into the the next question I'd like to ask, and and I want to extend it beyond women here because is, this is such a broad question at this point, but why do you think so many people are tempted to believe the lie that we must or can earn more of God's love, that, that the things we do, the tasks we complete somehow elevate us in in God's eyes as as someone who is desirable and, and worth loving and, you know, all the things that we're tempted to believe? Yeah. Man, I I wished I knew <laughs> because I, I suspect that there's a million different answers for all of mm-hmm. us. But ultimately, mm-hmm. the best I can come up with is we live in a very transactional world. Um, most of our relationships are transactional. You do this for me and I will do this for you. And we just kind of, I think, inadvertently extend that to our relationship with God. I know for yeah. me, I definitely grew up feeling like the love that God showed us at the cross was a baseline amount. And that if I worked really hard, I could earn more. And I think the fear of missing out plays into that too. Like mm-hmm. some FOMO really going on of, right. I don't want to miss out on God's blessing. I don't want to miss out on his love. So I've got to work really hard to make sure that I'm like top of the class here. Um, when in fact, God lavishes all of his love on us from the beginning. We can't lose it, nor can we earn any more. He just loves us. Yeah. Thank you for that response. You know, as I was thinking through and and writing down these questions, one of the mm-hmm. things that I thought about, and, and I used the two major headings of your book, is this idea of being created. And the way I understand it, I, I do really believe that there is a, a creation mandate, or you know, some people even call it a creation covenant, that we mm-hmm. are made in God's image and that we are given the task of being fruitful, multiplying, and subduing the earth. Yeah. Now, that's a pre-Genesis 3 thing that we're yeah. given to do. But as you said earlier, Genesis 3, it throws a wrench into to the mandate that we're given. I think one of the reasons that we're tempted to believe that it's working and doing that gives us fulfillment and, and uh, allows us to be desirable in God's eyes is because Genesis 3 has so confused our understanding of what God has created us to do and be and in our subduing. And so I think for mothers, subduing, really a part of that is mothering. Mm. And so you do, you do, you do more and more and more. But I think one of the beautiful things, and and you can see this clearly in your book, is this idea of being restored. That is, yes, we're given a mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, subdue, mm-hmm. but our worth and value isn't tied up in our task. Yes. It's tied up in who we are. Yeah. And what is redeemed is who we are. Yes. Our work is still difficult. Our work mm-hmm. is still ridden with the effects of sin and the fall, but who we are has been restored in Christ to those who have believed and trusted in him. And so the way you have structured your book, I think honestly is just really phenomenal. Oh, 
Thank you for saying that, because I will tell you, we went through so many iterations <laughs> of trying to organize it. And so that is very encouraging to me. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I'm, I'm being so very serious. It, it's very helpful for me when I when I look even at the chapters in your book, oh, it just really makes sense to my mind. And it's very helpful to think through theologically. Thank you. So what does this type of mindset do to your spiritual walk? So mm. the things you have raised in your book, how can they negatively impact you in terms of a false view of these things? And then how has what you've laid out in your book freed us to flourish? Mm. Yeah. So I think when we have that transactional mindset towards mm. God, um, it it really does impact everything about the yeah. way we interact with him, about the way we pray, about the way we... Um, serve. I mean, it really does turn into instead of doing things graciously because we love God and we want to be near him and worship him. Um, they're no longer acts of worship. They're, they're acts of repaying. I, I don't know yeah. the word that I'm looking for there, yeah. but it, it does. It just kind of taints everything. And, and it does leave us discouraged and overwhelmed and um, defeated in so many ways. And, and it's hard to live that kind of life and reconcile that with Christ who says he came to give us life and life to the fullest. And, Mm. um, and, but going back and realizing, wait, that's, that's not how God created us to live. That's not the way it was supposed to be. Um, it's so freeing to be able to say, okay, I can, I can actually rest in God's love. I can actually be the person he created me to be. I don't have to, I mean, for me as a woman, I don't have to look like the other women. I don't have to serve in the same way as they do. I don't have to have the same gifts and skills as they do. I can be the woman God created me to be. Yeah, that's right. Um, And that's, of course, what Paul's talking about when he gets into the whole um, body of Christ and the different members are all doing different things. But I miss that somehow. For so many years, I miss that. Um, Mm. So the work that you're called to do, so so whether you're in the workplace or you're called to be a stay-at-home mom with your children, whatever your work looks like, parenting or just in general living life with family and friends. How does this mindset affect those things as well? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things is it frees me to love other people well. I'm not Mm -hmm. expecting them to act in a certain way or to pay me back in a certain way. When, when I can rest in God's love, I can let other people rest in it too. Yeah. Um, I think I talk about this in my book in the chapter on comparison and how how easy it is for us as women when we think our purpose is rooted in what we do um, to kind of create a sort of hierarchy in our head of women in the church. Am I as godly as her? Are my children as well behaved? Right, is right. my marriage as strong? Um, and when we do that, we can't have community. Like there's just no way for community to thrive in a situation where we're comparing ourselves. Mm. So recognizing that God set me free to be different, to be the woman he created me to be, and that he's created these women different with different skills, lets me love them better and to yeah. enjoy community the way he yeah. intended. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and too, if you are viewing God in terms of, I need to check these things off the list in order to receive the love of God, mm-hmm. then you really are going to end up ultimately creating people, things, circumstances as as a means to an end. Yep. And what you end up doing is they're the things that you're checking off, right? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you're looking around and you're thinking, okay, well, this is what it looks like to be a mom. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to get close to this friend. Check. Uh-huh. And, and I think you had mentioned it, just like this FOMO mentality, like, oh, we're missing out or you're yeah. comparing or all of these things. When in reality, when you view God rightly and his affection towards you, 
then it frees you up to minister and to do the community that you just mentioned. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. That is the temptation to all of us. And so, yep. yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much for that response. Okay, so back to women as our primary audience here. How are women tempted to believe that they must work harder and do more to earn God's love? Right. Again, that's not to say that men aren't, but I think uniquely how are women tempted to fall into this trap? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can see lots of different answers to this question of different women struggle in different ways, I'm sure. Um, I can say for me growing up, um, I really struggled with the idea that the heart of my purpose was to be a mother and a wife, Mm. that that became everything. And when that became everything, when I felt like that that's what the cultural mandate was saying, was be fruitful, multiply, just meant have babies, um, it put a huge amount of pressure um, to do that, (laughs) to make it happen. And it's unfortunately a very difficult thing to make happen on your own. That is very Uh, true. (laughs) uh, And so when you can't do that, like I said earlier, you, you scrounge around and you make lists and you try to figure out other ways. And and unfortunately, I think godly, well-meaning people in the church today have kind of emphasized that sometimes. And, and I want to be really careful. I don't think anyone's trying to do that. Um, right. But we have a leaning to sometimes really elevate motherhood um, to the detriment of our sisters who are really struggling in that area or to whom yep. God hasn't called. Yep. Um, so being able to say, hey, sister or friend. Um, that might not be what God has called you to, but your purpose remains because the heart of our purpose isn't to be mothers. The heart of our purpose is to be God's image. And some of us, he images through that. He, he uses those things, but not all of us. That's right. Um, so I hope that answers your question. I know that was a little bit more personal and less general, yeah. but that's where it. Yeah. Well, no, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, even in our church, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, your your context in particular, but it's really hard to be a young adult. I mean, there's there's so much pressure to yeah. find that person and to get married and to have children. And in reality, yeah. like exactly what you're saying, we do oftentimes skip the made in the image of God, yeah. right? The thing that oh, brings yeah. the most glory to the Lord in us is the fact that we're made in His image, uh-huh. right? I mean, that's the whole reason that God would even desire to redeem us in the first place, right? Yeah. We have nothing to offer Him. We're His, right. we're His creation. Yeah. No, and I and I, I do very much appreciate that because I do think often for us, especially who are parents, it's just who we are, mm-hmm. and it's just the most natural thing to us. And so, so yeah, thank you for for caring, especially for just our single sisters in that response. You know, maybe a follow up question to that: How can women mature in their faith, which certainly James tells us requires works of the Spirit, mm-hmm. without falling into the trap that they're somehow earning God's approval? So. How do we actually live out our faith, which requires works, and yet protect ourselves from falling into the trap in believing that these things are earning us more favor or love or uh, you know fame in the eyes of the world? Yeah, man, that is a question, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> like the heart of it right there. How That's do we the take... million dollar question. It really is. How do we take these things that we know to be true and put That's them right. into practice? Could you just go ahead and clear it all up for us here real quick? Absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it really is hard. And I think mm-hmm. it, it takes intentionality. It takes actually letting the truth of these these things really seep into our hearts. Um, I love the way 
Genesis 1 is laid out. I just think it's stunning on so many levels. But I absolutely love that in 126, God says he's going to create man in his image. Um, And then he does it. And then he gives the cultural mandate. Um, Mm. And I love talking to women and saying, hey, he tells us why he's going to make us. Our purpose is to be his image. And then he tells us how to live it out by looking Mm. like him, by imitating all the things that he just did in creation, all the ways in which he filled and all the ways in which he subdued and all the ways in which he had dominion. He invites us to look like him and that there is a very important good role and a good purpose and sometimes just sitting in that and sometimes just saying, you know what? God loves me. And mm. and I think sometimes, especially in the church state, it's really easy to um, shy away from overemphasizing God's love yep. uh, for a good reason. We don't want to stumble into sin. We don't want to give people, you know, we don't want any of those things to happen. Um, and there are good conversations to be had about God's general love and his particular love. And we can go there. But but I think sometimes we forget to just let ourselves recognize that God said yeah. he loves us. Yep. Um, and sitting in that changes things, yeah. um, especially recognizing like image bearers. Part of being an image bearer is just simply reflecting. And we always reflect the thing we're closest to. And mm. we don't have to work at that. So yeah. sit with God, rest in that read the word because you love him and he loves you and recognize that sanctification means you're going to look like him just by default. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing the work in you. That's right. um, And go from there. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you're exactly right. He has created those good works that we should walk in them. Ephesians Mm -hmm. tells us, you know, and I was thinking too, uh, you know, as, as you were talking and, you know, I, I love Genesis one so much and you obviously love it enough Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 to to write a write a book. So <laughs> you love it more than I do. But one of the beautiful things about being made in the image of God and and I think sometimes we can be tempted to miss it, but God is mm-hmm. one God in three persons and that has never not been true of God. Yep. And so when we are made in the image of God, we are made relational people. Um, and so I just think, you know, you had mentioned it earlier Living in community is so very important to the truth saturating through who we are, right? Being mm-hmm. reminded and seeing the truth worked into other people's lives as it's worked into our lives to be able to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. And and I just think, you know, the local church is so important yes. to the, the Christian life. And, uh, you know, one thing I appreciate about our church is our, our women's ministry. Mm-hmm. Our women just really care for one another. And, you know, I'd mentioned, I think, prior to this conversation, um, just before we started recording, that we're elder-led. And so, obviously, the elders take very serious shepherding this church. Mm-hmm. But the women in our church, they see caring for one another as as something personal to them. Oh, and I awesome. think it's so beautiful, especially when older saints come and, and, and love on younger saints. I mean— you know, you want to you want to talk about how to care for a, a single woman. It's having an older woman invest in her life and and bring her in. And you had said something else. You said sanctification is is something that just happens. It's the it's the Lord's work in our life. That's so very true. And someone who is older than you, they've been being sanctified for a lot longer. Yeah. Right. They face some of these battles, and and so yeah, I, I just think life on life is just so very important. Absolutely. And it's part of being an image bearer too. I mean, we we talk about because we were made in God's image, we were created as these unique individuals and how Mm. every person 
fully bears the image of God. Yep. You know, we're not lacking in that area, but we also bear it differently. And it's when mm. two or more are gathered in my, my name, it's when God's people gather together as the whole body of Christ mm. that he is just displayed in this just unique dynamic way, whether that's, you know, friendships or marriage or just community life at church. Like we need each other. Yeah. Yeah. We need each other. And we need each other to even carry out our, our role as his image. That's, it is a joining sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, and I mean, what has the pandemic taught us positively? <laughs> okay, there's there's a lot of things that it's taught us, uh, the, a lot of things. Yes. But one of the positive things that it's taught us is how much we need community. Yes. Now, I'm not trying to indict anyone. So if you're still uh, viewing virtually, I, I think mm-hmm. if that's what you feel that you must do, then I think you you should feel free to make that choice if you're making it based on what you believe is is a good biblical conscience. However, at a minimum, it has at least taught us that we we need community yeah. and, and not just a virtual community, though virtual community was a godsend for a time like a pandemic. Oh, yeah. It just reminded us that it's not the same. Uh, even being able to see people's faces, all of those things, community is integral to who we are. And certainly that extends to men and women as they think about being tempted towards all of these things and and I think one of the points of being freed to flourish is finding a community and implanting yourself there and yes. and saturating together, locking arms and and walking this life. Okay, so a, f- a follow-up to that, how can women intentionally rest in the truth of who God has created them to be? So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things you had mentioned is, is early on in your life, and I think we both would confess that we still struggle with mm-hmm. the, the things you raise in your book. I mean, it's not like, all of a sudden you're just, oh yeah, well, we've been created, but Christ has restored us. Never, <laughs> never shall I struggle again, right? Not true. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> but how can, how can women intentionally rest in the truth of who they've been created to be? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about drawing close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something very important to be said about spending time in the word and in worship and in community and um and you just can't downplay that and and you think the important thing is to communicate it as best you can that that's not like we said that's not earning favor with god that's simply finding flourishing like mm-hmm. we need those things and and only by drawing close to the lord are we going to experience flourishing in our lives and and there really is true rest in that but it takes being intentional um it takes surrounding yourself with other people who will be intentional with you, like you said, community and a good church home. And um, just, I, I tell my kids frequently, speak truth to yourself. Like when things are hard, speak truth. First thing mm. to do, are you speaking truth? And so yeah. yeah, speak truth to yourself. Remind yourself of the truth of that, of the scripture that God loves mm. you and he's created you to be his image. Yeah. All those things. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, oftentimes when I'll have folks come to me and, and they just want counsel and, and one of the things they're struggling with is their uh, assurance of salvation. Mm. Not that they believe they've lost their salvation, but on the other end of the spectrum, they actually are questioning whether they've ever been saved. Oh, yeah, I understand. Because their life or, you know, certain seasons of their life, just they 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 don't really present a lot of gospel fruit. Yeah. And I always ask them, okay, well, first, let me ask you a question. Do you believe the truth of the gospel? Absolutely, I do. I absolutely believe that. Okay, so tell me what's causing you know your anxiety or your problem. 
And then we always end up talking for maybe 10 straight minutes about this person's sin. It's very important. But what I always tell this person at the end of this conversation is, you know, it seems like we spent the entire time dwelling on your sin and not really spending any time at all dwelling on the the truth and the beauty of the cross. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's exactly what you're you're telling your children and, and reminding yourself and what I often remind myself of. <laughs> what are we reflecting on? What is it that actually not only gives us our value and our worth, what is it that is the meditation of our heart? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that if you are a believer, grace and mercy should be the meditation of your heart. And, yeah. you know, it does, like you're saying, it frees you to not find value in those things. It frees you mm-hmm. to believe that because I've been made in God's image, he has created me, he has redeemed me, he will keep me, and he's yeah. growing me, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, I kind of keep going back to the whole, like, this is God's story. Like, this is, yes, he's the main character and, and he will accomplish these things. um, Yep. Because he's, he's the main character. I'm not, and I don't have to be, and there's a lot of freedom in not being the main character of this story. Oh, yes. And literally, thank God that that is true. (laughs) That that is true. Okay. So uh, how would you encourage women who are struggling with thoughts of, of not being enough and, and needing to do more? What, what, what would you say to them? Oh man, I just love this question so much because it, it kind of is my favorite thing in the world. It's to talk to women who are feeling just that Mm. way. And I just, I wish I could just give them a really big hug if they're huggers. If they're not, I will just (laughs) keep my distance. Um, and just let them know that they're first and foremost, not alone. That that is so common for so many of us. We have struggled with that, and um, and I get it because I've been there. And then I would just want to just remind her of the truth of of this creation account that God created her because He wanted her. Mm. Uh, one of my I love 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 when God says, "Let us." You mentioned the Trinity and how. It's so easy to skip over that and think, oh, yeah, yeah, we know that the Trinity is there. But to stop and say, no, the fact that he's Trinity means he didn't need us at all. Mm. That yeah, God that's was right. perfectly mm-hmm. satisfied in himself. And so when he declares that he was going to create you and I, mm. he didn't do it because he was lacking something. He doesn't have a checklist. He's waiting. He doesn't hoping you'd stroke his ego. He wasn't lonely. Mm. Um God didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because he wanted us. Yeah. And there is absolute delight in that. And for the woman who's struggling to do it all, I would say she doesn't have to because she's not being asked to. Mm. Um, That God loves her and is going to use her in beautiful ways and she can draw close to him and she can rest in the idea that she does not need to look like everybody else and she doesn't need to prove that she's a great Christian woman by doing all the right things that she is first and foremost made in the image of God. And that is a beautiful life changing thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you are, are just talking to women and and meeting with and counseling women, Mm -hmm. do you see that there's any certain common thread where this kind of begins or is every woman kind of different? She believes this lie in different areas of her life or are there, are there any commonalities? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, definitely, I will say we, as women today, get a lot of messages from Mm. the world at large um, and the church too, but definitely the world at large about what Mm -hmm. it looks like to be a good mom and a good wife um, and to to fit that part. And so 
a lot of what I see women struggling with is is that mm. is trying to keep the perfect home, trying to have the perfect children, trying to 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 really look the part. Um, and yeah. I don't say that lightly because I tried to look the part a lot. I get right. that. Um, but that, that is where I see a lot of women really struggling. And so mm. wanting to kind of, um, break the bounds of those, those messages we get, you don't, you don't have to look like her. That's great. Yeah. I love that she's doing that, but, and that's perfect for her family, but you don't have to do that for your family. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No, the reason I asked that is I was just kind of thinking, you know, it seems for women that there's kind of this, this height of what womanhood looks like. And it's having the the beautiful kids with the beautiful clothes. They're always clean. Uh, somehow they don't I apparently ever have dirty diapers. And you're always just so yeah. polished. Your house looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, and, and thank you so much for just responding so very honestly, because I think so many women, they do struggle with this. Yeah. And and I just think, you know, being honest and transparent and and kind of realizing that you as women are kind of all being tempted to believe this same thing. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that's actually true. It's just really important because you, you then realize, oh man, there's so many other women that feel the pressure that I do and it's not right. And it doesn't define who I am. Yeah. And so I just think that that's, that's very freeing to know that you're not the only one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where community can happen too. Mm. That's when you start to see, I think I told a story in my book at one point about, at one point we were going through a parenting struggle and life was just hard. And it was one of those things where you just, I felt so ashamed, so ashamed because good mothers don't have these problems. Right, right. Good mothers, kids don't struggle in these ways. and, And I, you know, stopped going to to mom's groups because mm. I was nervous and I stopped going out because I wasn't sure what would happen. And, and I had a very good friend who really entered into the, that chaos with me. And she really modeled, mm. modeled the Lord's love in those moments to say, she came over to my house and I was a mess and she took care of my other kids for me so that I could take care of my hurting one. And, mm. um, we just need to live lives like that. We need to be able yeah. to say, Hey, I am not doing well. And, yep. And have people in the church who can say, okay, that's that's okay. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. And you know what? That's called the Christian life. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that's uh, seriously just so encouraging. Whether you're a woman or a man, <laughs> just to know that someone entered into your life and cared for you that way. At a time where you felt, you know, like you said, maybe shame or or all of these kind of feelings, and even to the point where you had to kind of detach a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, how beautiful that someone entered into your life to show you that, hey, no, this is this is okay. Yeah, and you can take the time you need to 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 fix whatever the issues may be. Yeah, but just know that you're not weird. Yeah. that this is the Christian life, and yeah. um, no I'm, I'm here with you to get to get cleaned up. It just yeah. I'm here. Yep. We sit in the darkness with each other sometimes. That's right. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for this conversation. It really was encouraging to me, and I'm sure all who listen will be encouraged, but in particular, women who are listening and maybe struggling in this way. Two things. I would encourage you to buy Elizabeth's book and read it, share it, have small group discussions on it. And then number two, you know, you can share this podcast to, to women who may be struggling or, or in a season of life where they are being oppressed by all of these thoughts that somehow the things they do are the means that will, will bring God's love to them. And it's just a horrible lie. And I would encourage you not to believe it. And so, you know, thanks for helping us think through these things well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I just appreciate your time today. This was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.